Look at what it says in verse 24 of uh, John chapter 10. It says, Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. It's very clear here the Jews, they're not really believing Jesus and they're blaming him for their doubts. Okay? They're not believing his words. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And I want you to notice what that verse, a very popular verse where Jesus talks about how you know, his sheep hear his voice. That no, no, no one can pluck us out of his hand. We see a great passage there about eternal security, I believe. And yet one of the things that's very common that I run into when out soul winning is after giving the plan of salvation, after explaining that salvation is a free gift, after explaining that salvation is not of works, after explaining that salvation is eternal, that you can never lose it, that it is all about the work of Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross, one of the most common things I get is I'll tell people all this, I'll ask them if they believe that, and they'll tell me they believe that. They'll tell me they believe all those things. I'll show them that verse in the Bible that says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'll say, would you like to call on Him right now? Would you like to ask for that gift of salvation? No. And here's what they say. I hear this all the time. Just the other day, me and Aaron, we heard it two times in a row. I gave people the same message and they said, I'm not ready to make that commitment. And I'm thinking, what commitment? I don't remember asking you to do something. I asked you, do you believe this message? And I, I run into that all the time. Just yesterday, we're out, when we were out soul winning, you know, not a lot of people were answering doors. And so I see a guy out at the park. So, hey, there's a person. I'm going to go talk to them. And I went to go talk to him. And he's standing out there and he's smoking a cigarette. And I, and I, I say that for a reason. And so I'm talking to him. And I tell him, hey, we're with Liberty Baptist Church. We're out giving the gospel. And he mentions how he's there. Uh, he was actually there with the church group. He had. Uh, he was the one driving the bus that brought them all to the park, and they uh, he, they were all out there. And he's kind of off by himself, you know, having his cigarette. And I asked him, I was like, "Well, man, it's great. You go to church and everything." I said, "But hey, do you know if you're on your way to heaven? Are you? Have you ever called him Lord for salvation?" He's like, "He said, no, I'm not going to heaven." And I said, "Really?" I said, "I said, why is that?" And he's like. Because he's like, I got a lot of stuff I got to get rid of. And he's like this, for example. He's like, he's like, I'm not ready to give. He's like, I'm not ready to give that up yet. He's like, I've got a lot of other sins in my life that I'm not ready to give up. And I just told him, I said, man, I said, you know, I said, do you mind if I just kind of preach a message to you that I'm going to be preaching to my church tomorrow? Because I said, this, I said, what you're talking about, it goes along great with what I'm going to be preaching about tomorrow. I said, now I'm just going to assume this after what you just told me. But I said, you don't think you're going to heaven because I said, you're not living up to what those other people are living up to, are you? And he's like, no. I said, you know, I said, those people have given up their cigarettes, haven't they? And he's like, yeah. And I said, you don't feel like you measure up to them. So you don't believe you're saved because of that. And he's like, yeah, that's right. And I just told him, I said, now let me ask you this. I said, 
do you think, what makes you think they're perfect? He's like, oh, they're not. I said, you know, I said, really? So they, rep- they were, you know, they gave up their cigarettes, but did they give up all their sins? Oh, no, no. You know, and I said, well, what makes you think you got to measure up to them? You know, what makes you think that you've got to commit to living a life like them? Do you really think that they deserve to go to heaven with the life that they're living? And I listen, I told him, I said, hey, getting saved, salvation is not you making a commitment to Christ. It's him making a commitment to you. And you believe in that. And Jesus, he made a commitment to us. Many people today are be, they're being taught in churches that in order for you to get saved, you have to make a commitment to Christ. Well, hey, what does that mean? Does that mean I got to commit my life to church? I got to commit my life to baptism and keeping the law? What does that mean exactly? And you know what? Nobody will ever give you a definite answer. They won't give a whole list of rules. But you know what? I don't see in the Bible where salvation is us making a commitment to Him. I see where, it's he, where he made a commitment to us and we just believed it. That's what I see. And I went through the whole plan of salvation with Him. And I, and, but unfortunately, He didn't get it. He did. He did not accept it. He said he agreed and everything. But you know, I, I wish I could have give you a happy ending of that story. But I, I, I don't have a happy ending for that story. But this is a common thing that we run into. And I want to show you some things just here in John chapter ten. I want to show you how Jesus knows he preached. He's preaching the gospel, the same gospel that we preach. He's preaching it to the Jews. The same thing that we got, we preach. Jesus is preaching us to the Jews. And I say this because there's people out there that teach multiple Gospels that Jesus preached a different Gospel than Paul. That is not the case. Let's look at what Jesus told them here. Look at verse 24. Then came the Jews round about Him and said unto Him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believed not the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Now, why weren't they his sheep? He tells us very clear, you know why you're not my sheep? Because you don't believe me. You know why people aren't saved today? It's because they've not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. What did Jesus specifically talk about here? Jesus didn't say, you know, you don't believe I exist. There's a lot of people out there that believe Jesus exists. The Muslims believe Jesus was a great prophet. The Jews believe He existed. But you know what? Many And many so-called Christian people believe in Jesus. But you know what they've never done? They've never put their faith and trust in His work to get them to heaven. And notice how Jesus talked about my works. Hey, the works that I do, they bear witness of me. And you know, He said, you don't believe in that. You don't believe in me. You don't believe in my works. Many people today who say they believe in Jesus, they are not trusting in His works to get them to heaven. They believe in Jesus, but they also believe I got to do the works in order to go to heaven. And so very clearly here, these people were not His sheep because they did not believe on Him. And isn't that exactly what the Apostle Paul preached in Acts chapter 16? In verse 30, that jailer comes to him and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That sounds exactly like what Jesus taught. He's like, I want to know what I need to do to be saved. But they just said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. His works are what get us to heaven, not our works. Look at verse 27. My sheep... Hear my voice. 
and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, some will take verse 27, and I've heard people take verse 27, and say that proves that we have to keep His commandments. Because my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Therefore, a person who's truly saved is one who's following Christ and they're, going to, they're keeping whatever commandments are the pastor's hobby horse. All right? Because it's different for every pastor. All right? Some are really strict. Some are really loose with how much you have to do. But either way, most churches have some sort of list. If you're not doing these works, you're not saved. And they'll take verse 27 and say, because it, it shows right there, his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. Meaning they keep, that he keeps his commandments. But verse 28 proves different because look what verse 28 says. He says, and I give unto them those who hear my voice and follow me. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. Okay? And eternal life is crystal clear in the Bible. It cannot be obtained by works. Okay? Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin, or what you've earned, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life is a gift. Do you work for a gift? No, you don't work for a gift. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. Why? Because they hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. That can't mean keeping the commandments. It can't mean following the law because we see that doing those things are works. Look what it says in um, Romans chapter 5. Turn over to Romans chapter 5 and verse 15. It says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Okay? You don't even have to put free when you're talking about a gift. If it's a gift, it's just free. Period. But it's like it puts it on there for emphasis. Right? Just in case there's any out there that's going to one of these works-based salvation churches, let's just emphasize free. Free gift. And so... Um, for through, for through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign by life, reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Now, can someone explain to me how the gift of righteousness that is by grace can have anything to do with our works? All right? Do we not see over and over how it is a gift that is by grace and that that's from Christ? And yet, somehow people will read these things and somehow think that our righteousness is by our works. That doesn't even make sense. That, cannot, that, that doesn't even make sense. Look at verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Okay, look. 
Somebody's got to be obedient for us to be righteous. And guess what? It's not us. It's of one. And who is that? Jesus Christ. His obedience is what makes us righteous. Not our obedience. And so right there, we see that Jesus said, hey, I give unto them eternal life. And we see that eternal life, it is a gift. That it is a free gift. That it is a gift that is by the righteousness of one. And that one is Jesus Christ. So there is no way you can take John chapter 10, anything in there, and, not, and, and say that salvation is somehow contingent upon our works or salvation is somehow proved by our works. Romans destroys that. And I mean, verse 28 shows that. If we, just, if we just look at context, if you just read the next verse, he says, I give unto them. He didn't say they, they earn from me. No, I give unto them eternal life. Salvation is a, an eternal life. It is a completely free gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We all know that. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay? And it's of works. It's of no more grace. Okay? It can't be both. They don't mix. They don't go together. And this salvation that Jesus was preaching before He died on the cross is the exact same salvation that we preach today. It's a salvation that shows it's believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's trust in His work. It's a salvation that is of eternal, that's eternal life that is a free gift. That is exactly what He's preaching. And people are preaching today that in the Old Testament dispensation that they were saved by faith plus works. We see right here it was believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's even died on the cross, we see that it was a free gift. That, and if it was of works, then it would not be free. It was still free during this time. I mean, John 10 absolutely destroys that. Jesus also, in this passage, he explains eternal security. He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Somebody who has received that gift of eternal life, okay, and this is elementary stuff right here, folks. I'm going somewhere with it. People who receive that gift of eternal life, if, if you have eternal life and you will never perish. And then, and Jesus has promised us that, okay? He gives that to us and says, you will never perish. But then if I do something bad and He takes away my salvation, then that means I'm going to perish. Well, then that means Jesus lied when He said I'll never perish. Okay? And eternal security is an important thing that we have, is something you have to understand in order to be saved. That, hey, your salvation is not based on your works. That means you get it and it's yours forever. And, that, and that's what separates those who are trusting in Christ versus those who are trusting in themselves. Those who are trusting in their commitment versus Christ's commitment. And we see here, Jesus explains eternal security when He said, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. But what if something comes? Hey, neither should any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You're not getting through Jesus Christ and through God the Father. It's not going to happen. No one is stronger. His Father is greater than all. No man's going to pluck us out of the hand of the Father. You know what he's saying? He's teaching eternal security right there. He's, he's teaching that you can't lose your salvation. Well, yeah, well, I, I think I could get out myself. Oh, so yeah, you're greater than the Father now. Really? That's not No, that does not make any sense. Salvation, it is eternal. And Jesus explained that eternal security. In verse 28, we see when He says, I give unto them eternal life. 
neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. What are we see? What are we seeing right here? We're seeing Jesus make a promise and a commitment to those who believe. You all see this? Those who believe, those who are his sheep, who are his sheep, those who believed in him. He's saying those who are his sheep, he's saying, I'll hang on to you. He's saying, I'll protect you. No man is going to pluck you out of my hand. Jesus right here in verses 28 through 30, he is showing a commitment that he has made to us that I will save you, that I will keep you saved. Crystal clear right there. And yet we have people today who are trying to make a commitment to Christ. They're thinking, you know what, man, I, you know, I, I heard that TV preacher, man, he's preaching the gospel. I listened to that repent of your sins, you know, street preacher preaching the gospel. And he's telling me, man, if I don't go to church, if I don't straighten up my life, if I don't give up my cigarettes, if I don't quit my dope, you know, if I don't quit these things, I'm not going to be saved. And so what do they do? You know, all right, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to make the commitment. All right, here we go. You know, and they go, they throw all that stuff in the trash and they start going to church and they start dressing up and they start singing hymns and they start carrying a King James Bible. And all of a sudden they're thinking, man, I'm good. I'm going to heaven because, but at the same time, you know, many of these people, if you talk to them, they think, Hey, if I quit doing these things, I've heard them say it before. If I go back, to the drinking. If I get out of church, if I go back to that my old way, I'm not going to heaven. Now let me ask you, who are they trusting to get them to heaven? Are they trusting in the work of Jesus Christ? Or are they trusting in their works? They're clearly trusting in their works. Those who are saved have eternal security. And anyone who thinks they're going to lose their salvation, it's because they are basing it on their works. They're basing it on their commitment. We've got preachers they preaching, and y'all, it's time for altar call. Y'all need to come on up. You need to make a commitment. You need to decide right now you're going to give up that sin. Well, once again, like that guy at the park. You know, he's thinking because he's smoking, you know, and none of those other people smoke. He's out there all by himself, kind of. He's, he's kind of hiding back there. It was like the entrance to the park where I'm at. I couldn't even see the people. I had to kind of like go over and look around this building where everybody's at. It's like, you know, he's hiding out, he's hiding out there smoking a cigarette. Because, you know, you ain't going to heaven smoking a cigarette. Alright? You know, I don't believe smoking will send you to hell. It'll just make you smell like you've already been there. Amen? You know, I've always liked that line. But no, hey, you know, we shouldn't do those things. I told man, I was like, man, you ought to give those things up. You know, you ought, to, you ought to quit your sinning. You ought to do that stuff. But at the end of the day, None of us are going to live, can live a perfect life. We are dependent on Christ. That's why we call on the Lord for salvation. We understand that we cannot save ourselves. That we can't trust ourselves. I can't trust myself to stay committed. I fully intend to be in church for the rest of my life. I fully intend to be a faithful Christian for the rest of my life. But you know what? I don't know that I will. I'm not sure... I don't know. I'm not dumb enough to get up here and say, I have no doubt in my mind that I'm going to be preaching the gospel till I'm a hundred. You know, I got, I'll never, I'll never quit. I'll never forsake you like Peter said. I'm not dumb enough to get up and say these things. I'm not dumb enough as a pastor to get up and say, y'all can count on me, folks. Y'all just follow me and you'll be okay. I'll, I'll never go wrong. I'll never steer you in the wrong direction. I'll always be right down the middle of the road following off, following the Lord to the day I die. Now, I intend to do that. But I don't know that I'm going to do that. 
I, I see people fall a lot. And you know what? When I see people fall, it, it sometimes scares me. Because man, if they could do it, I could do it. I'm made out of the same flesh that they're made out of. But you know what? We see in the Bible that we can know that we have eternal life. Why? Because that knowledge is not based on our works. That salvation is not based on our works. It's based on the works of Jesus Christ. And so people do. They're trying to make this commitment, but these people that are making these commitments, they're still not saved. They still are lost if they're trusting in their commitment to follow Christ as a way of salvation. And many people today, they're trying to figure out what they have to do to be saved instead of trusting in what Christ did. Okay? What did that jailer say? He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay? That is a very, you know, common response. What, you know, I mean, 99% of the time, it's like when we ask people, what do you think you have to do to go to heaven? It's be a good person. When we were in Aurora yesterday, that's what everybody was saying. I mean, when you're in Catholic territory, that's what they say. Be a good person. I heard that so many times. You just got to be a good person. That's what, that's what everybody said. But you know what? They're all thinking, what must I do to be saved? That jailer, that was his natural reaction. Hey, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He wanted to be saved. He wants to go to heaven. But he's assuming I've got to do something. And what do they say? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What does that mean? It means trust in Him. Trust in His work. That's what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over to Matthew chapter 19. Let's look at this story. I've heard some, I mean, incredible false doctrine come from this passage. That you, I mean, you've got to be blind to teach what some people are teaching from Matthew chapter 19. But look at this story right here. In verse 16, it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Okay? Now, you and I know that, that was a bad question right there. Because, you know, now understand, this guy didn't have Romans yet. He didn't have Romans 6.23. You know, he, he didn't have that yet. But you and I know, hey, what good thing can you do to inherit eternal life? Alright, there is no good thing you can do to inherit eternal life. Why? Because we all have sin and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Okay? So there is no good thing you have to do. There's a good thing that Jesus Christ did. I heard a guy one time say, this, show, this proves that in the Old Testament dispensation, it was faith plus works. Because we know the story. Jesus goes and He tells him to sell all He has and gives to the poor. Let's read this whole passage, alright? Let's read this passage. So what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? What do I got to do to earn what we know is a free gift? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. There it is, folks. Faith plus works. You got to keep the commandments. That's what he said. And he said unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. 
Then said Jesus unto His disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When His disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? Now let's stop right here for a minute. Alright? Does anybody think that in that time, you went to heaven by keeping the commandments? Now, that's what Jesus said right there. But does anybody notice when Jesus named the commandments, He left one off. He left off, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all thy strength. Remember when the man, the warrior came to Him, tempting Him, and He asked Him, what is the first and greatest commandment? And He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. He, right there, the greatest commandment. So here you have a man, he comes to him and he says, Sir, good, ma- or good master, what good thing? He's like, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. You know what Jesus practically said to him? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He says there's none good but one. What, that means the same thing as for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hey, why are you calling me good? Unless I am God. Unless you're believing on me unless you're trusting in Me. And He names all these commandments. Yeah, I've done all those. I've kept them all. But hey, if this man knew the commandments so well, shouldn't he have known the first and the greatest commandment? And so Jesus, He doesn't even say it to him. But what does He do? He reveals it to him that He has broken the greatest commandment by telling him, go sell everything you have and come follow Me. What's He doing? He's showing, hey, you love your money more than you love Me. You're not as good as you think, buddy. You've broken the greatest commandment. And yet, I've heard people take this passage and show that you had to keep the commandments in the Old Testament dispensation in order to be saved. That is ridiculous. Jesus was trying to show this man, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, including you, bub. You've broken the greatest commandment that there is. And notice the disciples. So, you know, they see this and they said, man, who then can be saved? We haven't kept all the commandments. This guy is saying he's kept. He's better than us. How? So who's going to be saved if this guy isn't saved? And look what Jesus said. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. What do we get from that? Hey, it's impossible for you to get saved, for men to be saved by their works. It's impossible for you to save yourself. But you know what? With God... It is possible. That means God can save us. Well, how does God save us? He saves us through the work of Jesus Christ. Not through our own works. He saves us through His work. And so then look at what... what um, lost my spot. Verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. Hey, we didn't keep all those commandments that he mentioned, but that one that you didn't mention, the one that he wouldn't do, we did that. He's like, we did that. Hey, hey, we've forsaken all and followed you. Hey, remember when we left our nets and we left that fishing and we went and followed you? So, surely we're good, right? Because we, we did the one thing that the rich guy wouldn't do. Right? Is, is that what's happening here? Let, let's keep reading. Um, you know, we have forsaken and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? So, do we get eternal life for forsaking all and following you? And Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye which have followed Me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, ye also shall sit 
upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Okay? What is he saying right there? Hey, those who have forsaken all and have done work for me, they're going to receive a hundredfold. What does that mean? It means God's going to pay us for what we do for them. Why? Because these works that we do as Christians are not for eternal life. Because that was a free gift. The works that we do, God's going to pay us for those in heaven. And guess what? We're going to have eternal life too. So we get the free gifts, but we also get the rewards for the works that we do. That's what he's saying. So when Peter, when Jesus is telling Peter, hey, you know, when you did all those things, yeah, you're going to get paid for those things. You know, you're going to have that. But the everlasting life, the eternal life, that doesn't come from works. That, my friends, is a free gift. But what we do in the kingdom of God, that is dependent upon our works. That depends on what we do right now. And so right there, that story, right, it, it, it proves nothing as far as what they're teaching with a works-based salvation. Jesus was trying to reveal to this man that he was in fact a sinner. He'd broken the greatest commandment. And when he says, with man it is impossible, it is impossible for man to be saved. He said, hey, if, thou, if you'll be perfect, okay, go and do that. But he couldn't do that. You know why? Because he wasn't perfect. Because none are perfect. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, including this rich man. And so Jesus is trying to show them with God it is possible. Okay? In other words, the only way somebody can get saved is through the work of God. It's through the work of Jesus Christ. And so many people today, they are, they're going, look at, or we'll look at uh, Matthew chapter 22. It says, God, I gotta do something. That's what that rich man, that rich man said. What good thing shall I do? That's what he's clearly looking at himself. That man went away unsaved. Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. Then one of them which was the lawyer asked him, saying, Master, what is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first great commandment. See, we need to understand that this, this thing of loving God, it is, it's the biggest thing. We all love to get up and we all love to talk about all the things that we never did. We all love to get up and sing the things I used to do. I don't do them anymore. And talk about all the things that we've got victory over. But listen, even if you're still, even if you're saved, okay, do we not neglect this commandment? Think about this. I mean, do we not go days sometimes we don't even think about God? How often do we put the things of our flesh before the things of God? Is that not breaking the first and the greatest commandment? The first commandment. The greatest commandment. The most important commandment. The first of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, but yet we put things before God all the time. So think about that because many people today are trusting in their changed life. They are tr- counting on the fact they, they know they're saved. And I talk to these people too out sowing. These are usually the religious folks. And you'll, and you'll ask, not usually Catholics, sometimes it's the Baptist folks. And you'll ask them if they're saved, and you ask them, hey, how'd you get saved? And they want to tell you about the things they used to do they don't do anymore. Oh, really? Because that good thing that you did, because you went to church, because you got baptized, that got, gave you eternal life? Hey, we're here talking about eternal life. 
Alright? Our tracks, they, they mention eternal life right there in the front of it. We're talking about eternal life. That's a free gift. You're going to tell me what you did? You're going to talk about, try to talk about how you earned it? Or you're going to try to talk about your changed life as proof that you're saved? Well, great. I'm glad you, you know, I'm glad you gave up your smoke and I'm glad you gave up your drinking. But listen, are you loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength every day? Are you doing that every day? None of us do that every day, do we? We fail in that area all the time. Why? Because we still have this dirty, stinking, rotten flesh that constantly gets in the way. It constantly messes up. No matter how hard we try, you know, evil is present with us. And yet, people today, they feel like this, you know, and man, I thank God for all of you. You know, we got good people here in this church. Y'all are a blessing to have around, all right? And you know, let me tell you, the, the things I've, the work that I've seen God do in the lives of you all, it thrills my heart, all right? I mean, it blesses my gizzard, as they say down south, all right? I, I love it, okay? But let me tell you something. I'm easy to impress, all right? I'm not holy, okay? But you, I'm going to tell you right now, none of you please God in the flesh. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. We can only please God with our faith. Do you realize when Jesus Christ returns, He's going to have to transform you? He's going to have to completely change you? You know why? Because you've got a vile body. There's a reason that you're not in heaven yet. You're too rotten. But you're going to heaven. You have the promise of eternal life because you believed on Christ. But He's not going to let you there yet. In fact, when you die, only your soul is going to go to heaven. Your dirty, stinking, rotten flesh is going to rot in a grave. Because God's not going to take that up to heaven. He'll take your spirit. He'll take that which was born of God that doesn't sin. But your flesh, it's going to rot in a grave. It's going to resurrect one of these days, but not before He does a miracle of changing your body into one like His glorious body. You know why God has to do that? Because you still stink, folks. You're still sinful. You're still not holy. And the only reason that any of us are going to heaven is because we've put our faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ. Because we have believed on Him. Not because we made a commitment to Him. He made a commitment to us. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. All we have to do is believe that record that Jesus Christ paid for our sins, that He will save us and that He will keep us saved and He'll take us to heaven when we die. And all we have is proof. All we have is a ho- is hope is the Word of God. We have His words. That's all we have. Just like Jesus spoke to them. He said, you're not believing My words. And when we don't believe that, we're not believing the Word of God. And we've got people today that are thinking, well, I, I know I'm saved, but they... They want. They can't just accept what the Bible says. They got to have this Holy Ghost experience, as they call it. They got to be speaking in tongues and barking like a dog and doing all these things, these crazy things that people do to prove that they're saved. Man, I know I'm saved. I had this Holy Ghost experience. I mean, you know, I, I went and the preacher came by and he slapped my forehead and I passed out and I was having convulsions on the floor. You know, they, they think they got to have something like that. No, we believe His words. And God said that those who believe my words, those who hear my voice, they are my sheep. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. It turns out what keeps what got us saved and what keeps us saved, it was not our commitment to Christ. It was His commitment to us. He committed to save us. He committed to keep us saved. All we had to do was believe His words and accept the free gift. 
I didn't make a commitment to get saved. I just believed in His commitment. And people, they'll use all these analogies like the bride and groom and all, and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? We're not married yet. Alright? We're not married yet. We, that marriage, supper, all that stuff, that hasn't happened yet. You know what? Because we're still in the flesh. That's not going to happen until after the rapture. In the meantime, though, we are already saved though. Why? Because we believed on Him. And He is committed to us. I'm going to heaven not because I'm committed to Him, because He is committed to me. And it's a natural reaction or a thought for us to think, what do we need to do to be saved? But in order to be saved, we must realize it's not about what we do. And and listen, we don't tell people anything about a commitment. Yet, it constantly comes up when we're giving the Gospel. And you know why? It's because they're hearing this in other churches. This is what's being taught all over the place. This is what they're hearing from the TV preachers. They've got to realize it's not about what we do, but it's about what Jesus Christ did. Do do we believe that? We need to believe in Him. We've got to trust in Him to stay committed to us. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For He hath said... I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Right there, once again, Jesus is committed. He said, I'll never leave thee. He didn't say, you'll, ne- you'll never leave me. He said, I'll never leave thee. What if I go the wrong way? He said, he's never going to leave us. He's always going to be there with us. What if I go the wrong way? Well, he'll chase me because he's there with me. He's not going to leave me. I, I, I'm not going to get out of the hand of the Father. He's stronger than me. And I, and, you know, and I don't want to, but even if I did, He made a commitment to me. And that is why I'm saved today. And don't fall for this teaching. And don't ever get caught up into that teaching and start telling other people that. People are confused like crazy out there. And it drives me nuts. Every time I give somebody the Gospel, and I don't mention one time that they've got to do all these things to be saved. And yet, I get done. They tell me they believe everything I say, but then they tell me I'm not ready to make that commitment. What commitment? Somebody's telling them this, and it's false religion all over the place. And we've got, we've got to realize what we're up against. And I, I think these passages, too, that we looked at, they can be a good help uh, in souling and uh, giving people the Gospel. So, I hope this was a help. With that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much. Word. We thank You so much, Lord, for committing to us, dear God. We know we can't trust ourselves, and thankfully we don't have to. We're just supposed to trust in You. We thank You for coming to this earth and paying for our sins. And I pray You'll help us to spread this message, dear Lord. It's so clear that apostasy and false doctrine and false gospels abound. Lord, it breaks my heart that so many people say this when we give them this clear message. But I pray You'll help them to just keep sounding the trumpet loud on this. And I pray you'll just open people's hearts and they'll see the truth on this and we'll see many saved as a result. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and